Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. dedicated to Henry Farman. In the year of the primal war, to the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, man was the lord of the earth. Greetings and felicitations, children of technology, and all that kind of thing. This is Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous, episode 108, I think. That might be correct. Yes, maybe so. If not, well, look, it's a hundred and something. Hundred and whatever, whomever, however I may find you. As you can hear, my voice is still not fixed, um, which probably should worry me a little bit, but, well, what can you do? What can you do if you will burn the candle at both ends and be a middle-aged singer in a heavy metal band? Well, what can we do? Of course, this is part three of the tour diary, and I can hear you going, by God, he's dragging the ass out of this one. Well, maybe, maybe not. But this is going to be Tour Diary Part 3. There'll be a little bit of um, political observation at the end. I was going to start with it, but I realised that, well, maybe it's better to get to the juicy details, to the headline of the podcast, Strip Searched in Sweden, um, first, uh, or near the top before we get to other stuff, which might have you reaching for the off button or whatever else whatever button that may be, with which you silence me. Um, Anyway, the podcast is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. You can go in North America, which includes Canada, um, and use the promo code ALAN for 10% off your order. Um, And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, uh, please do get in touch. Um, The numbers are, you know, exponentially rising. Um, There's a captive audience here, or some kind of audience here, and I don't mean that in any kind of fritzel sort of way, but some sort of audience um, with which I can reach whatever it is you might be selling. Like I said, some highly caffeinated pill, which I could do with some of, or maybe, uh, like I said, you want to, um, you know, do some um, washing for your uranium plant, that kind of thing, etc., etc., all that kind of nonsense. Or more practically, a tattoo shop or a mail order or a record label. 
looking to um, reach specific customers, that kind of thing. All right, you can follow me on Instagram at nemthiango underscore primordial and primordial underscore official. So let's get into these gruesome, um, salacious details. Well, I suppose I should pick up where I left off the last time, and that would be um, getting sick in Switzerland. Getting sick in, in Switzerland. I know that isn't a... A song title from some misguided poor Swiss new metal band. Um, it's, well, it says what it says on the tin, and you'll have to go back to the last two episodes of me dragging this out for the tour diary to find out exactly what happened. But needless to say, um, I was discussing Mannheim. I was just about to get to Munich and the Dark Easter Metal meeting, um, which, you know, you have to be fair for some of those festivals that are just hanging on. They they announced this, you know, this meeting in 2019 and it finally happens in 2022. Now, thankfully, the Dark Easter, Mun- uh, Dark Easter Munich metal meeting was sold out. And um, for the most part, it seems everyone came, everyone honoured their tickets because there is a strange system in Germany, which means that if you don't show up to a gig, yeah, I think it is that you have three years to, um, you know, with which to claim the money back on that gig, whether the gig happens or not. Um, I'm not sure if everybody understands or knows this rule, but um, as I understand it, you could decide, ah, I don't really feel like going today and then claim the money back in a year which is something that was very evident on the tour and very evident talking to everyone, all the local promoters um, in all tours, as you've probably noticed, even a casual look at some of the pages you follow or the bands you follow or the small little festivals that you follow. There's a lot of cancellations going on, a lot of local cancellations, and that's simply because people are not buying tickets. I mentioned this in the last podcast. It really is that I think people are hedging their bets or for two years they've had an excuse to uh, not go out that night or oh, I poured a glass of wine I've got a, a you know a box set running um, and I just don't really feel like getting the train into town to go and see a band or meet my friends and unfortunately this is kind of where scenes come and go and scenes kind of die off a little bit and um, I've noticed this um, just as I said cursory cancellations but most definitely there is an air of this running through society. A sort of, a, as I've mentioned it many times before, um, thanks to Mugwa for putting this word in my new lexiconography or my new vocabulary, um, inertia. There is a feeling of people of just wariness and the kind of idea that, ah, I'm able to opt out. You know what I mean. The idea that um, you don't have to speak to anybody on the phone anymore. You can just send a text. And it's very easy to just send a text um, to um, whatever group you're in and go, ah, not feeling too well tonight, going to stay in, which just basically means I'm too lazy. Um, I mean, look, I understand the cost of living is crazy now and just going out to a gig is going to cost you, um, unless you're completely frugal, it's going to cost you something. Um, it's going to cost you whether it comes to alcohol or whatever, you know, however you decide to enjoy yourself. But at the same time, this is kind of how scenes come and go. If nobody goes into that local metal pub, it can't really exist. I mean, I know, for example, many of you I'm um, listening have probably been to Dublin um, and you've been down to Brussels where the Philinet statue is and come down. And there used to be crazy nights there. Um, after gigs, you know, with the packed bar full of metalheads, full of people listening to alternative music. And now, I mean, I must um, tell you all that you may go down there on a Friday and sometimes they haven't even got the staff uh, to open that side of the bar. That's another story. And that's to do with the cost of living and rent and people being unable to live and work in the city. 
um, and also um, because the people who did those jobs um, and who were able to come to Dublin for a year or two, save some money, go back um, to wherever country they were from and maybe buy a house or, you know, um, something like that. It's impossible right now. Um, people are just not able to live in the city. So there's a everywhere you go around Dublin, there's a kind of um, now looking for staff. Having said that, if you were to ask what they're paying, it would be less than pre-pandemic. And seeing as everything else, the cost of everything else has gone up, this doesn't really make any sense. But you may be horrified to learn that if you walk into Brussels on a Friday night, the chances are they'll just be playing pop music. Um, there isn't a DJ anymore. And the pub isn't really committed to playing rock or metal. And because what happens when everybody works remotely and works from home, as you'll have found, is that there aren't people who populate a city centre anymore and are going out for like casual pints on a Wednesday or going to see a band or the home, the working from home thing, you know, it really sets a kind of social precedent and it removes many of the sort of things that were natural to working in an office with other people, whether it is romance or whether it's just going to a gig or out for pints or Friday night down to Brussels, put on a few tunes, um, you know, maybe there's a gig later, etc. This just isn't happening. You're more than likely to walk in and they're playing Rihanna. Now, why is that also happening? It's also because young people suck and... Um, I see this in a bar around the corner from me, which used to play Tom Waits and Nick Cave, and you could go in and hear Leonard Cohen. But seeing as the staff have changed and those old heads who maybe had taste in music are gone or can't afford to live in the city anymore, they are now populated by um, young fellas and young ones who, you know, don't seem to mind that an, a pub full of middle-aged people is listening to... Um, pop music designed for 11 year olds and that's unfortunate but I think you know old man shouts at clouds I do think there is something to that um, if you have bars which you know many of the staff working there aren't really interested in music I you know if I can without sounding um, rottenly patronising then look they're just going to put on awful music and Brussels as I'm sure many of the metal bars in your area have capitulated to this and that is well nobody is showing up nobody's coming out anymore and the reasons why of course we understand the cost of a beer the cost of living the cost of all those things and you may have mentioned or you may have um, you may remember about a year ago I'd say or it could have been in 1972 I don't know whenever the pandemic started you will remember that I said it. I wonder how subcultures will survive this however anyway this sort of rambling leads me to dark Easter a Munich Metal meeting um, where it would seem my dying bride get turned away in the airport the day before. They have their PCR tests, um, but one job's worth, and I keep using that expression, maybe you don't speak English as your first language, a job's worth is the kind of C-U-N-T who takes their job too seriously. The kind of park attendant who will tell you to get off your bike that there's no cycling on the path in the park and you're like really come on mate anyway a job's worth is i just say that because it happened to me today um, a job's worth is somebody who does their job with a kind of overzealous interpretation and let's be honest and let's be frank enjoys wielding a tiny little bit of power over people so as i understood it a pcr test should be enough i'm not going to comment on my dying bride's vaccination status but it would seem germany and areas of germany are the last countries the last areas in Europe still clinging 
on to this this autodidact form of enforcing rules and regulations. It's the only place on the tour where anything was mentioned about the um, the pandemic, or where anyone asked to see any sort of um, digital. Um, you know, World Economic Forum, Great Reset Code, whatever you want to think it is. Um, and it seems that the Madame Bride guys and girls are turned back at the gate in um, Munich Airport and sent back home. Well, anyway, we arrive the next day and it's a great show. It's a very noisy, it's a very loud show. Um, look, you're playing before uh, Marduk. You've got to bring you've got to bring your A game. Um, and, you know, we all kind of take it easy, sit in the sun, etc. I've been feeling a bit desiccated, a bit dehydrated. Um, and there certainly is no will to want to um, hoist the party flag that day. But like I said in the last, last podcast, you're in a strange position where if you're feeling tired and worn out, one of the things that will lift your mood and lift your spirit is exactly the same thing that makes you tired and worn out. So for some reason, for some reason, um, after not playing there for decades, our last shows in Denmark have been incredible and a few beers in the street beforehand have me winning the battle over the Lurgy. The show, um, as I probably mentioned before, the show in Holland kind of runs away from me. It's decent, but I talk too much. Sometimes this happens, as I stated before. You forget that the lights can do the work for you and you bring your own front of house who invests an awful lot of time into creating a killer light show as our guy Tilo um, definitely does and I forget that sometimes staying quiet and still is way more effective. I wish I had a little bit more Carl McCoy from Fields of the Nephilim in me rather than Bruce Dickinson but it is what it is sometimes and you forget and so sometimes when you feel like you're not on completely top of the game and you know it's a Monday or Tuesday and the crowd isn't gonna go off um isn't gonna go crazy which you know hey it's Monday or Tuesday um sometimes I end up talking too much and certainly in Holland um I'm a little bit too waffly Bruce Dickinson however Denmark you know Denmark rules and it's becoming it's it's the gig where it really became clear to me that I need to use in ears Um, I guess I should explain what that means. So I've been struggling through the monitor wars every night and it's pretty wearing physically. It takes its toll on your voice. Um, I make it out on top of this one. However, um, the in-ear thing, as I said before, it's basically what I explained and I think I explained in the last podcast is that what we hear on the stage is very different to what you hear in the crowd. And those wedges, those monitors in front of you, basically that that whole mix, what you hear can be just transported to um, headphones, small little in-ear headphones, which you can adjust the volume of. So that means if you can literally, you could literally sing as loud as this or whatever, I did it my way or whatever. Wow, beautiful. Anyway, um, and you can hear it perfectly because you've you've attuned the um, in-ears to hear that. So you don't need to bellow and shout, um, which obviously is something that I do. And almost every monitor engineer or any for every front of house has noticed like, wow, holy shit, you're singing really fucking loud. And that is because you've been shouting over the monitors for years, shouting over the noise of amps. There are some bands who don't even have um, amp no noises on the stage. They don't even have guitar, the guitar amps on. 
or they're all just using in-ears. So they don't really, the stage is literally just the sound of someone playing drums. Um, I'm not going to mention which bands that are like that, that we've played with, but it's very strange. I mean, of course, they're hearing what they're hearing within their headphones. So they, of course, are a couple of thousand euro to invest within this. And my paltry gear that I bring looks a little bit insignificant next to the Swallow the Sun guys, um, who have obviously um, put some investment into the technical aspects of their band in a way that very often I think Irish people without making huge generalizations kind of go ah it'll be grand it'll be fine well this is the tour that broke me and went hey it's not really fine it would be better if you decided to get some in ears so what can you say an awful lot of the money that you're going to earn from the tour will now go on um, buying in ears Unless, of course, there's an in-ear company who want to sponsor me. Um, but, of course, why would a microphone company sponsor anyone? Because you need microphones to literally do everything. So they don't really need um, sponsorship in the same way a guitar company does. Anyway, anyway, anyway. What am I talking about? <clears throat> what exactly am I talking about? Here, however, um, is where something altogether very odd happens on the tour. We cross into Sweden. Um, I try and stay asleep and avoid the ferry nonsense. I get left alone and try to sleep it off. You know, the sleeping is the most important thing um, to try and keep your voice. And so clocking out at one or two in the morning is the responsible thing to do and to try and sleep as long as you possibly can, even oversleep, because it's also part of, and well, it's your body's, you know, moment to regenerate, but it's also, it's where I feel your vocal cord cords heal themselves. You're not talking. Um, it's just your rest time, your downtime. Don't get that and stay partying. Um, and yeah, you will find that the next day you're going to have a problem singing. Anyway, I get left alone and try to sleep it off, hoping to be on top form for the last couple of days as we head towards the home straight. Um, because I'm feeling pretty positive. We got into this final few days and the voice is still 80, 90 percent intact. Um, the moment I had where I thought, oh, we could lose this because on the tour previously with Moon Sorrow, and I think Der Weg on a Freiheit, we had a show in northern Belgium where um, the voice was clipping maybe at only 40-50%. Now, you can still um, perform like that, but you need to go lower instead of when you would go up high and you need to improvise through keys, you need to sing. In fact, this is exactly when in-ears would be perfect for you because it would help you out with um, being able to judge the um, amount of effort you can put in without making things even worse. Anyway, anyway. Now, I have some views on Sweden I'll get to, but on first contact, everything is normal. We have just got off, um, you know, we've just been in Denmark literally 45 minutes before. We line up, show the cops our passports, um, you know, despite going from one EU country to another. And let me remind you, on the bus are only EU passports, nothing else. Oh, the cops are laughing with us. Hey, hey, only black clothes. Hey, rocker guys. Hey, rocker culture. Do any of you guys own something that isn't black clothes, etc., etc.? Oh, haha, yeah. Um, hey, look, it's cold. We haven't had coffee yet. Can we get back on the bus and get on with what we're doing? So, yeah, they let us get back on the bus. They check our passports. And like I said, if you've been following the last few episodes of the podcast, you'll know that um, passport checks are kind of random. Um, the whole Brexit thing seems to be a complete misunderstanding from people working at the ghost ferry ports. And so we 
get our passports checked going into Sweden. I go back to sleep um, as, as it's about half seven in the morning. Then about 45 minutes later, I'm woken up again and the vibe has really changed. We're hauled off the bus to a lot of shouting, a lot of noise. And I can tell this is something else entirely. I've crossed enough borders with police who've had their backs up about something or want to flex their muscle to know something is up. I've had um, I've had a border guard search through my wallet with a gun in Transnistria, the self-proclaimed um, communist republic between Moldova and Ukraine. I've, you know, been around cops with guns in Eastern Europe, all sorts of other stuff. Um, but hey, this is Sweden, and I'll explain that context a bit later. But I've crossed enough borders to know something is up. So we stand outside in the cold again. It's about 8 a.m. And maybe the shift changed. I don't know. Maybe the guys um, who... Usually what happens if you're crossing into a border... Sometimes they used to, we used to do this into Canada. You would stop an hour outside the border and wait for the shift change. So you got the guys who just had their donuts, just had their coffee... I just arrived, not the guys at the end of the shift who are really knackered and tired and pissed off. I mean, I think it's the same for everything, right? I mean, you get on the, if you're going to get on the last train home and get the last dude who's checking the tickets, he's either going to be like, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Just jump over the barrier or he's going to give you a completely hard time. Um, Actually, that just that example just disproved what I said. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they haul us off the sh- off the bus again. Something new, something different. And there's a big knucklehead of a cop and he's in charge and he is unimpressed with us, unimpressed with how we look, unimpressed with our general, um, how we're turned out. And we line up again. You know, Sweden, <clears throat> rock and roll culture, yeah. We are not the droids you're looking for. You've seen bands before. You've given most of them to the world. You really think we are the guys you're looking for? And there's no doubt that for the next two or three hours, the cops spent grilling us. Well, let's say this. For the next two or three hours that several dozen cops spend hanging around us, um, I would imagine there are plenty of cars with chambers which have been filled with drugs, Um, that have just calmly driven by, or some poor Eastern European woman who's being trafficked, who was driven calmly by, while this particular moron treats us and orders his subordinates to treat us like, well, frankly, terrorists of some description. Um, I think that's not too much of a stretch to say that um, while 20 to 25 cops dealt with us, that quite a few misdemeanors probably happened in other areas of your city. Anyway, there are five cabins. There are five cabins. And um, our friend orders us into one, two, three, four. And they strip search us. I mean, fully. Take apart our clothes, pull apart our shoes, search our hair. Well, not mine, but you get me. Strip searching. And this, um, this sort of triggers in me, this language sort of triggers in me something I've not heard since the 1980s in relation to Northern Ireland when it was kind of like a power move by the um, English cops or the RUC in the north to do to, you know, just casual sort of um, Catholics on the street, strip searching them. It was a regular um, power move. Um, it's There's no doubt about what it is. It's designed to intimidate you. It's designed to, it's designed to embarrass you. It's designed to humiliate you, which it certainly does to several of the people in the tour company. And it strikes me, though even everyone is too tired to really think of it at the time, are you even allowed to do this? 
The questions. The questions. Do you take drugs? The answer is no. Do you smoke cannabis? No. Do you smoke cannabis? What year is this? 1955. I mean, really, Sweden, you ain't been following the news over the past few years, have you? Will you take a piss test? Now, this is where I think the line is crossed. Because let's be clear, a piss test, uh, when you're just arrived in Sweden, literally maybe one or two hours before, what you're piss testing for is then what we were doing in another country, i.e. Denmark. You know, another country, not yours. Um, and of course, there are those of you who will be listening um, in areas of the world going, hey, this is our life every day. I get it. I get it. It seems a bit Western of me to make such a huge deal of this. Well, not a huge deal. Look, I'm talking about it on the podcast. Well, Alan, aren't people used to this in X and Y country? And yeah, you have a point. Um, but the whataboutery of saying, well, it's worse in Honduras. And hey, I've been to a gig in Honduras where the kids had to wait on a traffic island for the military police to leave the venue who were just stood around with guns waiting for the uh, brown envelope to arrive from the local promoter to pay them all off. Then they wouldn't go. And the kids just stood around. The cops stood around. Dudes with guns stood around. Um, and it was chaos. Anyway, I know what it's like to be in a gig in a country um, you know, uh, that perhaps has more of these things in common. But like I said, part of me is wondering, do they really just have the right to just take someone off a bus with an EU passport and strip search them without any, I don't know, explanation, any representation, someone with an EU passport? Do they need to present us with a reason? Like I said, three bands from Ireland, Finland and Luxembourg are really what you're looking for. Dogs go up and down the bus. They pull our clothes and personal belongings everywhere. Every single thing in my bag of vitamins is checked. And the amount of cops involved, well, I would say it's 20 plus at this point. Um, there's a young couple of female cops who spend some of the time singing along to a song on their phone. I kid you not. Um, then it kind of dawns on me that this is a training exercise or something of the like. Um, and that we are more or less being used um, to make a point, but also to show the young cops, hey, this is how you do it. Um, at least that's how it feels. Although one or two of the cops involved are really, um, really, really hoping to find something to get us into trouble. But they don't. Now, I've not really been paying attention to Swedish society that closely, but it's obvious to me over the years of visiting that although it's a liberal country on many levels, I mean, witness its decisions over the lockdown, which I commend and wish the um, rest of the countries would have done, i.e. not lockdown and taken people's liberties and freedoms as such. But the state itself takes incredible liberties with your own individual decisions um, on a social sense. The alcohol laws are insane. Um, you can't buy alcohol after 6 p.m., um, many places won't let you buy two drinks at once. All sorts of, you know, if you're if you're running a, a club or a venue and one person is seen outside with a beer, um, they can shut down your and take your whole license for that venue. I kid you not. I mean, and I think of Ireland and people standing outside in the street drinking pints. And then I wonder, oh, that's why you like coming here to drink. Well, you know what I mean. <clears throat> the alcohol level laws are insane. And society in Sweden is still not okay with weed, the right or the left. No, I'm not a weed guy. I don't care about it. But um, I think it's up to you. It's your personal art autonomy, right? And it seems like for too long, Swedes have accepted that the state knows what's best for them. Do they? In Ireland, smoke outside a pub and a cop walks by, 
chances are he or she will tell you, ah, will you cop on? Um, and leave it at that. There's just nothing in it for them to make a big deal out of somebody smoking a joint um, on the street. Because the reality is, what is the big deal about that? Now, I'm not going to sound all Joe Rogan about this, but the idea that this form of prohibitive approach to society can work is, of course, ridiculous. That's why prohibition didn't work and never does. My body, my choice, right? And if I want to smoke weed, then that should be my choice. Well, certainly if I want to smoke cannabis, as the cop says, and I was a Swedish citizen, all right, you're right. Before we get into the medicinal properties, eventually they find nothing. And to be honest, they are really, really bummed out. And they hold us there for another 30 or 40 minutes, giving the dogs another go. And it's grudgingly they give us back our passports. Don't forget an Irish passport, an EU passport from another EU state, and allow us to enter good old Sweden, home of liberal values. And like I said, I'm sure the four or five hours wasted on a bunch of musicians um, who, quite frankly, were not in a state of disrepair, who are reasonably turned out. I'm sure in those five, four or five hours that they wasted police time with 20 to 25 cops on a bunch of musicians, more than a few real criminals actually committed crimes. That um, perhaps that police time and effort could have better been spent on dealing with that. Who knows, maybe even a murder in Malmo happened that morning. You might have stopped if you were out doing your jobs and not hassling a bus full of musicians. But, hey, who am I to judge? It's just a podcast and it's called Agitators Anonymous, right? And don't get me wrong, like I said, I've been loads of crazy places in Central or South America, cross borders in Southeast Asia. And Sweden ain't the only country where a joint in your pocket will get you, you into trouble. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, Vietnam or Cambodia's history with democracy is a little more complex than, you know, Sweden. And that's the context. And context um, matters a lot here when you're um, theoretically comparing Sweden to Guatemala or the border guards in Honduras or, as I said, Cambodia, all of which I've crossed to varying degrees of um, complexity or various degrees of, you know, being harassed or bullied or intimidated by border guards and sometimes not. I've pl met plenty of asshole cops in my life looking to teach you a lesson or two uh, or let you know who's in charge, you know, and sometimes it's been merited. Um, or behaving, well, you know, sometimes way beyond their remit. As I've also met loads of cool cops who've been super helpful. Um, and it takes all sorts. But this morning, trying to get into Sweden, it's the former, not the latter. So, Strip Searched in Scandinavia will be one of the songs on my next uh, solo album. My first solo album, even. Some people are more bothered by the experience than others. And there's no doubt one female subordinate is really into giving us hassle. Um, always one Ilsa, right? But pretty disappointed, it seems she can't get to flex and give the men hassle. Because obviously, you that's not how it goes. Um, you intimidate your particular gender. Uh, maybe I should have told her that I identify at the border as female and given her someone to bully. But anyway, it creates a weird atmosphere throughout the day. But eventually, we're on the road to Gothenburg, where we've never played a club show. It's great. 400 plus people in the venue. Um, but it's like playing in an airport lounge with a huge sign over the bar directly opposite the stage saying drinks here or drink here for free or whatever it is in huge letters or something equally inane, almost giving off more light than the stage 
We say, hey, can you turn it off? They say, the bar staff can't do their job without this dumb sign illuminating the whole back of the venue. Hey, remember the reason why you're working behind the bar this evening? Because artists come through and play the venue. And when they say turn the lights off, because that's fucking up our prepared, designed light show that's integral to the music um, and is costing us money to use every day, then turn off the fucking light. And... My friends, Stockholm rounds things out in style. Again, 450 plus people and more. And it goes off. And people are pounding on the barrier. People are freaking out. And it's great to see that the Swedish crowd, after such nonsense at the border, um, goes off. And goes off in a way that you would expect um, a South American crowd to or a Southern crowd to. Great, great. Perfect way to end things off. Sweden kicks our ass. Now sort out your country's attitude to personal liberty and it'll all be fine. I stay one more day than everybody else. The red-eye home is too grim. It's too depressing. It's too much of a calm down. So I do an Irish goodbye and disappear, sleep for 16 hours the next morning. If you go back two or three episodes, I get my Cuban history lesson. And by 3pm, I'm standing around the shop, standing around the corner in the shop local to me, staring at the cereal for 20 minutes. My gear is moving. My brain rushing through hundreds of memories, sensations, feelings, songs, moments, colors, sounds, people. And that's really the strangest thing about touring is that you are at this, like the, the epicenter of this crazy bubble that's constantly moving all of the time. And at the heart of it, you are kind of responsible for the, the night that people are going to have that hundreds of people descend on. And that's the thing, you know, when it's dependent on your voice, on your performance. There's so many moving parts. It almost is um, a kind of insane overstimulation. Sounds, people everywhere, another city, blah, blah, blah. And then you're home. And I stare at the coffee filters for another 15 minutes. Thankfully, at 6 p.m., I pull on a football jersey, strap on some shin pads and head out onto the pitch in the rain and the wind. And the first contact is a crunching tackle. And the brain is reset. And I am back to something approaching normal life. Well, normal for me. And the tour is over. Now, a couple of people have been messaging me and asking me, have I been avoiding the politics for the last month? Have I been avoiding talking about other things? Because this is obviously three parts of a tour diary. And the answer is not really. I mean, but I sense that after the end, at the end of the pandemic, it all became a little bit too political. Do you really want to hear my opinions about Roe versus Wade? I'm the singer in a heavy metal band, right? You really want my view on a political decision made 50 years ago in a country I don't live in? Well, of course you can say, well, didn't you live? You didn't live in Ukraine either or Afghanistan. You made podcasts about that. Yeah, would be a fair point. Um, And I said, I do have to say, we live in an age of hot takes where everyone is supposed to have a decision cast in stone. Everyone is supposed to have an opinion one that whips up their tribe and agrees with the commandments handed down from the elders of said tribe. This is one thing I don't really have a fully formed decision on. I sit on the fence somewhat. I see both sides of the argument. And at the end of the day, we are not really allowed to have an opinion or a nuanced opinion, to have something to say on a topic, even though I suppose on some level I just kind of did. You can keep your counsel to yourself. Silence is not violence, nor are words. You want to keep your opinion to yourself? can be the best thing to do. But of course, the idea of not having opinion while talking on your podcast, well, anyway. But I will say, isn't this leak, um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Roe versus Wade abortion debate that just got 
and gasoline poured over at times 100 in the USA, which will no doubt spread um, further than its borders. Well, it is because here I am talking about it. But isn't this leak just perfectly timed to keep the dial of society in the red? to keep people completely polarized with the original. One of the OG culture war flashpoints, abortion. To keep people in a heightened state of outrage, to sit alongside, hey, you, worry about the climate. Isn't the cost of living insane? The cost of your rent. Don't forget about Ukraine. There's an energy crisis coming. And now, pick your tribe in the abortion debate. Keep stirring the pot of outrage and anger and frustration. It just seems perfectly timed for that. Um... You know, for the moment, or for at least for the, you know, the greater part of this podcast, I've been trying to keep it musical. Um, And now that the munitions companies and weapons manufacturers have their feet in under the table in Ukraine, we can expect them to push for another proxy conflict, 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 lasting years, Al Afghanistan in the Ukraine to make money off. I mean, Afghanistan was a success for them. They've never had any intention really of winning, just of keeping it going for as long as possible. Now that the public opinion has kind of moved off topic and Mr. Gates is prepping us for the next pandemic already, you get the feeling that the powers that be now, now they've decided that we ain't going to get a summer off. We ain't going to get a summer where you're going to be able to wind down and try and take a break from what has basically felt like two or three years of constant emergency footing. This is not what they want. Doesn't move the dial, doesn't get clicks, doesn't have us consuming through fear like they want, doesn't have us accepting new rules and regulations for our own safety because we're scared, scared by the propaganda of fear. Of course, the war has pressed the button to allow the energy crisis to seag nicely into the climate change, um, in parentheses, I say, lockdown or the potentiality of it or a version of it, which I still think is possible. Lockdown might be an extreme word, but at least a curbing of your freedoms. Of course, there's a conversation to be had about that. The cost of living. See how expensive energy is. We need alternatives. So tighten your belt in the West because you have to change the way you live. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe the bureaucracy is too great. Like I said, I think most things will sit in the middle of either of those things. And I know it's a kind of a heresy to question um, some of these things. But I mean, hey, that's what we're here to do. That's what the podcast is here to do, to, um, you know, support the heretical point of view to ask questions of all of this these things and of course there is and I may do a podcast about my opinions about climate I mean you know in as much as I am informed as the singer of a heavy metal band but what I'm more interested in is what is real and what is um, not well of course who's not interested in that but what is going to be used against you the public to take some of your civil liberties Um, And that is a genuine question. Like I said before, what I do or you do, what Denmark or Finland does compared to regulating China or India and the developing world won't really fix this problem, whatever this problem is. And that is to be defined. My worry is, of course, that the debate is, as I said, going to be used as a precursor to um, sort of stay inside living. Um, Don't travel anywhere or move outside your five kilometer radius and spend your new government crypto dollar in the following places. Why, sir, haven't you had too many pints this week? Morphing into a, I suppose, a kind of total nanny state where your finances are no longer really yours, but tethered to your digital passport, a la dictator Trudeau's vision of society. Hey, France, is that the best you can do? Le Pen versus Macron. 
Well, remember the episode of South Park, douche versus shit sandwich or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Well, is that the best you can do? Anyway, I wasn't going to talk about all this stuff. And it's just for the last six minutes. So, you know, um, don't judge me too harshly. I'm least I'm consistent in not taking my own advice. My friends, that was Agitators Anonymous. The final part of the tour diary, normal service, whatever that may be, will be resumed um, next week. And... Who knows what we're going to talk about? Could be musical, could be political, could be cultural, could be all sorts of things. But I value your continued support. And with that, over and out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.